Thank you for checking out this message given at Kingdom Life Community Church on April 10th, 2022 by our special guest, Dr. Mike Hutchings. Well, thank you, Steve. Hello. Yeah, it's a little bit. Hello. Good morning. How y'all doing today? Awesome. It is such a privilege to be here and what a wonderful weekend I've had with you all. Thanks to Steve, Pastor Steve and Pastor Ben and the elders for inviting me here. Thank you for Curtis and Margaret Blake for inviting me and making this happen. Give it up for these guys, will you? Before I go any farther, um, I've got some words of knowledge I want to go after. And because whoever this amazing lady was up here, she declared that not only is he our healer, but healing is here. So I'm going to give a couple words of knowledge, and uh, if they apply to you, please stand up. Many times when the word of knowledge goes forth, that means God will heal you immediately. Sometimes it's going to be after the prayer, but we're just going to, we're just going to launch out into this and see what the Holy Spirit does. So um, there's a, a joint in the spine, L5 and S1, that is right like in the middle of your spine. And if that's you, stand up. I've got one. There you have pain there. All the time, there's two. Excellent. There's three. There it is. Okay. So keep standing. There's four. There's five. Excellent. There's six. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. If you guys can keep standing, that would be great. Somebody has a meniscus tear in their right knee uh, where you have torn your meniscus or your knee is, is hurt. You haven't had it diagnosed, but your right knee is hurting really bad. Who is that? Would you wave your hand at me? Okay. There's one. There's two. There's three. That's awesome. Um, also, I got migraines. Uh, are, is there somebody that, first of all, is there somebody that came in here today suffering from a migraine? Anybody? Would you wave your hand at me if that's you? Who, okay, right there. Excellent. Very good. Now, I'm going to, since I have people who are suffering migraines right now, I'm also going to include anybody who ever suffers migraines. You get on this as well. So if you ever suffer migraines at all, go ahead and stand. So there's more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, come on, Jesus. The Lord is... See, I want to say to you guys, you, what you just experienced in worship today was healing worship. I don't know if you could feel it, but there was a healing anointing on the worship that was really strong. And finally, because we have seen so many miraculous things happen in the area of cancer... Uh, my wife had a brother who was diagnosed with stage 4 glioblastoma brain cancer that only had weeks to live, and the Lord completely healed him. Uh, we're now, uh, come on, 10 years, 10 years, he's not only surviving, but he's now a pastoral intern at a church in Evansville, Indiana. We have uh, her stepfather-in-law uh, has been healed three times of terminal cancer. We've also seen stage four pancreatic cancer healed. I have at least four testimonies of that. So if you have any cancer in your body, I want you to stand too, because we're just going to go after all this. So anybody, anybody here has any cancer? Okay. Well, if you're online and you have cancer, stand up where you are. So everybody extend your hands out to these folks. Lay your hand. If it's okay, just lay your hands on them. Touch them, particularly in the place, places where they're, they're hurting. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for your healing grace that came in worship today. Spirit of the living God, we break the power of every injury of the spine, every injury in the right knee in the name of Jesus. We cancel and sever the assignment of afflicting spirits in Jesus' name, and we break their power off of every person that is experiencing tormenting pain in the name of Jesus. We command the S, uh, the, the L5 and S1 joint to be healed from all injury in Jesus' name, to be completely restored back to full function. We command the meniscus tear in the right knee to be healed in the name of Jesus and to come, at, come back into operation in the name of Jesus. I break the power of the inflammation of the meninges uh, layer in the brain that brings migraine. And I break its power over every person that is standing in the name of Jesus. And we also declare to every cancerous 
or precancerous tumor in anybody. We command those cancerous cells to dry up and die in Jesus' name. We command healing and life, life, life into the bloodstream and into the lymph system in Jesus' name. And we command freedom from all affliction that's been called out by word of knowledge in this room right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, now, keep standing. So those of you that had pain when you walked in today, check your bodies out and see if you have at least 50% or more improvement. And if you do, wave your hand at me. If you, if you have one, two, wave, check your body out, three, four, wave your hand high. Come on, wave it high. More, five, come on. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. So we'll go one more time because, you know, Jesus had to pray twice once, right? He had to pray for the man who was blind once, and then he'd pray again. So we'll just do one more time. Father, in Jesus' name, we command healing and strength into everybody that's standing here in Jesus' name, every person that's online in Jesus' name. We just declare healing, strength, all pain go. All migraines go in Jesus' name. Spirit of the living God, come and chase out every afflicting spirit and heal every injury and traumatic injury. Let the grace of God, let, I keep hearing particularly with the knee and with the spine, let the juices that are supposed to be in those areas flow again in Jesus' name. That will bring life and freedom in the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Come on, give thanks to God, will you? Have a seat, everybody. So it's just been an amazing weekend and uh, just kind of feels like home a little bit. For those of you that haven't been introduced to me uh, up to this point, my name is Mike Hutchings. I'm just a boy from Illinois. Uh, I'm originally from the Peoria area. And uh, it's just so great to kind of be back in my homeland again. Today, I'm joined by my amazing wife, Roxanne Hutchings. Roxanne, would you stand? And as I said Friday night, we've never been divorced or separated, but murder is always a possibility. And, uh, <laughs> and we've been married for over 40 years now, and she hasn't killed me yet, which is a miracle in itself. I'm a very lucky man. I'm also joined by my family from Galesburg, Illinois. My son, Nate, his wife, Tina, and their daughter, Willow, is here, as well as my two, uh, two boys, uh, Elias and Rylan, are here as well. And I just thank you for welcoming us into uh, your house. We have had a wonderful time of, of training and equipping this weekend. For those of you that were not aware, uh, we had close to 50 people here, and they were trained in uh, learning how to bring healing to anybody who carries post-traumatic stress disorder or any kind of trauma. And I'm going to tell you that, how many of you were here at the seminar yesterday? All right, you guys are my ministry team today, okay? So at the end, you guys are going to come up here, and anybody who has trauma, I'm going to let them pray for you. I'm activating you today. You're getting activated to learn how to pray for people in the same way that I was activated, where I had no clue what I was doing when I first prayed for my person with trauma, and yet God met me and healed me. We, we have a saying, and I want everybody to say this. I'm going to say it, you repeat it. God doesn't call the qualified. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He qualifies you know what that means? It means that you're qualified for everything. <laughs> Everybody smile at me. Don't look so glum. Come on. It's the truth. If the Holy Spirit leads you to it, he will provide everything you need to fulfill what he's led you to. Amen? I want you to get your Bibles out and turn with me uh, to two very familiar passages of Scripture. Psalm 23, and then we're going to be looking at Isaiah 61. Uh, you'll meet my lovely wife back at the resource table at the end. Uh, there's a book that I published uh, this last June called Supernatural Freedom from the Captivity of Trauma. Uh, it is a book that walks through a biblical and clinical understanding of what trauma is, what post-traumatic stress is, 
and it has in it the entire seminar that I walked through with the team yesterday. It also has lots of prayers in it and uh, is, is something that I'm learning. It has a whole appendix of prayers that you can walk yourself through. Now, is there a, a veteran of our military that has not been here for the weekend, but you're, you've served in the military? Is there a veteran in the military here? Anybody, would you raise your hand? Where am I at here? Far left? Okay. Come here, ma'am. I want to give this to you. Bless you. Thank you for your service to our country. God bless you. Come on, give it up for her. Would you do that? Awesome. There's also these amazing things called flash drives that actually has the entire seminar on video that you can purchase. Uh, this, is, this CD is of the very first class that I teach at Global School of Supernatural Ministry is on developing a kingdom mindset. The only way that you're going to walk in the power of the kingdom of God is to develop the kind of mindset that's away from a religious mindset or served this community. I thank you, God, that all of Northwest Illinois and Northeast Iowa is impacted by the huge footprint that is Kingdom Life Community. Spirit of the Living God, under the authority of the pastor and the elders of this church, I take authority over every single distracting thing that would come against us to keep us from receiving the good news of how you want to bring full restoration of the dream of God for our lives in Jesus' name. So Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on us. Station angels of healing and strength around this room. I pray for all of those that are watching online today that they would feel that same presence and power of angels wherever they are worshiping today and let the glory of God fall in healing and restoration in Jesus' name. Amen? So I've had the privilege for 10 years, it'll be 10 years in May, of working with Dr. Randy Clark at Global Awakening in directing uh, his education programs primarily the Global School of Supernatural Ministry, which is a nine-month training program where we take people from all walks of life, every age group. We have people in their teens. We have people in their 70s that come, and they receive instruction on how to walk in the supernatural power of the kingdom of God. In the midst of that, I learned about God's provision to wanting to bring healing to everybody who carries any kind of unhealed trauma in their life. You know, there's a medical diagnosis that's given by psychiatrists and psychologists and medical doctors that when you are bothered by things that have happened to you in the past, they call that post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. But let me say something to every one of you. You can have unhealed trauma in your life without a diagnosis. As a matter of fact, let's just make this declaration together. Everybody has trauma. Turn to somebody and say, everybody has trauma. I so appreciate Kurt Jr. over here making that declaration yesterday. The reality is, is that you and I live in an incredibly traumatic world, and it's only growing. Could I get an agreement? It's, it's growing throughout the world. It's, it's grown during the pandemic that we've went through this last two years. And now that we have wars and rumors of wars that are rising up among the nations, we need to understand that the level of trauma is only going to increase. You also understand that in this country, we have an epidemic of drug addiction that is literally killing people. And one of the primary reasons that most people use drugs or alcohol or gambling or pornography or all the other addictions is simply because they're trying to self medicate the pain that they carry from the trauma that's happened in their lives. You and I both know that in a world where the nuclear family is falling apart, uh, we see more and more children that are having mental health issues, having more trauma and abuse issues that's taking place. And I'm thankful for this church that I know that you guys really have a heart for kids' ministry here. I mean, you can see that with all the kids. Guys, give thanks to God for all these children. I mean, seriously, it's just amazing. 
And I'm telling you that there is no other social agency on the face of the earth that can bring healing and restoration to the dream of God for all children, including you and I as God's children, other than the Church of Jesus Christ. That's why I believe, guys, this is our moment. This is our time. There is the greatest harvest of souls that's coming into the church in this moment of time, and it's because things are so dark in the world. Come on, yeah, you can clap over that. When I see a church that has, you know, how many of you know that Jesus called us to be fishers of men? And part of being fishers of men is you've got to have good nets. And nets need to be repaired. They have to be strengthened. Because the larger the haul of fish, the stronger your net needs to be. And there have been seasons in the past where there have been a group of people who've prayed for revival, and God brought revival, brought lots of souls in the church, but unfortunately the nets weren't strong enough. The nets broke. And many of that harvest of fish were, were lost. They just, they were scattered. That's why I'm thankful for a church right here in the heart of Northwest Illinois where I see you have prayer ministry, you have counseling, you have groups, you have men's ministry, you have all these amazing things that are part of the net that God is building for you because I'm telling you there's a harvest of souls here at Kingdom Life that's going to be coming and, and all I've been seeing again is you guys are going to eventually have to go to multiple services uh, you may have to have a bigger sanctuary at some point because of the harvest of souls that's coming in the midst of quite frankly other churches that are not walking in the kingdom that are doing their best to hunker down and try to keep what they've got. I'm thankful that you as a church, and I just this is like a prophetic encouragement to you, that as John Wimber used to say, the only way you get to keep what you've been given is to give it away. And I'm thankful that you're giving away leadership into the harvest, you're giving away all sorts of resources, you're giving your way yourselves, and as you give away what God has given you, God will multiply back to you and increase the size of your footprint in this area as well as throughout the world in a way that you will be shocked and amazed at the harvest that's going to come to you in the days ahead in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So just a little prophetic encouragement to just keep doing what you're doing. It's really amazing. Let's go to Psalm 23, which is the first scripture. You're probably already there. I need to get there. <clears throat> so you know the bad news. The bad news is you and I live in a traumatic world. You and I live in a world where you have to stay, you have to stay off the news cycles because to watch any part of the news that's happening in the world today, you have to take an antidepressant at the end of it or an anxiety medication or, or you know, for those of you that, well, I won't go there. Um, but basically, watching the news is both a traumatic experience as well as a, a depressing experience because all you hear is nothing but bad news. You know, right now we have some students uh, that are graduates of Global School of Supernatural Ministry that are working in evacuating refugees out of Ukraine. Uh, that is, as a matter of fact, our one student who had been Randy Clark's intern at one time, he, his family was originally from Ukraine. He and his wife got married last year, and God spoke to them about moving to Kiev. So they were in Kiev when the bombardment began to happen. And God spoke to him very specifically that, th that this is the reason why they were called to Kiev. So they have gone from Kiev to Lviv to the western border, and now they are moving back and forth from the eastern part of Ukraine back to the western part, evacuating refugees. And if you saw the news that happened this weekend, that there was a train station that was full of evacuees that was bombed. Dennis's team was in that train station. Nobody was injured, thank God of the team. There were, there were over 50 people that were killed. But that's the kind 
of warfare that they're going through right now, but yet there are literally thousands of Christians from America that have been deployed among the refugee camps, among the evacuees, and they're bringing the kingdom to these people, both with physical necessities, with shelter, but more importantly, with the power of prayer and bringing them to a place of ministering to them. I was with an organization just a few weeks ago, Crisis Response International, and I was training a group of 40 first responders that were getting ready to be deployed to the eastern border of Poland, right there at the western border of Ukraine and Poland. And they were going to go and not only help them help those refugees get shelter and get food and get clothes, but, learn, but had a tent for ministry praying for the trauma that they've been through, the kind of wartime trauma. I want to tell you something, folks. God is raising up an army of heart healers and chain breakers that we will no longer abandon those people who suffer with trauma to the likes of of psychologists and psychiatrists as important as they are. We need to understand that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to heal and restore the brokenhearted, to break the chains of captivity and set prisoners free in Jesus' name so that we no longer have to be defined by what has happened to us. We're not defined by our history. We're not defined by what we've done. We can be defined by who our Father calls us. And he calls us his beloved children in whom he is well pleased. Say that with me. Not all of you convinced. Say this with me. Because of Jesus, I am no longer defined by my history. What I have done, what has been done to me, by my family, or what I've witnessed. I'm defined by who my Father calls me. He calls me His beloved child, in whom He is well pleased. Pastor Steve, that's why I like you getting up. You do that every Sunday morning, don't you? You do that identity declaration every Sunday morning because we have to remind ourselves again and again and again who God calls us to be. It is such a significant thing that you have a leader who understands the necessity of us walking in the fullness of our identity in Jesus Christ because it's in those moments that we are no longer covered with shame, we're not covered with guilt, we're not covered with condemnation because all those things are lies from the enemy. Those are part of the accuser of the brethren uh, ministry to us that has to be torn down. But when we really begin to believe who we are in Jesus Christ, something begins to change. Look with me in Psalm 23. Very familiar to any of you that have been brought up in the church at all. This is the Psalm of David as you can, if you can think of David as a young boy sitting outside Bethlehem on the hills shepherding sheep maybe even at night. And David would write many of the songs that are in the Psalms in those moments where he was encountering God. And this is one of those songs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's such a beautiful psalm because I really believe that the psalm in David's worldview expresses the care of the Father to him in the same way 
that he cared for his sheep. And it also expresses a reality of the kind of world sheep live in. By the way, did you know that God calls us sheep? Did you know that? I know I got some farmers, and I got some cattlemen in, 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 the, uh, in the congregation. And how many of you know that sheep are not the smartest animals in the world? As I heard somebody say once, there are no sheep acts in the circus. Because you can't really train sheep. You know, sheep will literally eat themselves off a cliff. They'll, they'll graze and keep grazing and keep eating, and they'll just walk right off the cliff, which is why they need a shepherd, why they need a, a rod and a staff to guide them. But the, the, so don't take it as an insult that God calls you a sheep, but he helps us understand how desperately we need his leading, how desperately we need to be dependent upon his care in our life. And the greatest lie that the enemy ever perpetrated on all of humankind is the lie that said, you can get along just fine without God. That was the lie that Satan said to Eve, who then went to Adam and said, as long as we eat this fruit, we'll know everything and we'll be like God. And it was just the opposite thing that took place. In the midst of this is an understanding of the reality of life when he says in Psalm 23 that, yes, he does lead me beside still waters, he leads me in paths of righteousness, but he also takes me through the valley of the shadow of death. He also brings me sometimes to a place where I'm in the midst of my enemies. And in the midst of all of these difficult moments, there's the promise of his presence to us. But guys, how many of you know that even in the midst of the presence of God, you and I can get wounded in what life brings to us. One of the things we talked about this weekend here as we talk about people who deal with trauma is that many of us have been brought up under some bad religion that says it actually, it's a character assault against God. And this is what bad Christian religion says. Everything that happens in your life, it's, it's God's fault. Whether good or bad or whatever, God caused it. And, you know, there's this, this line that at least I grew up with, that yes, God loves me enough to send Jesus to die for my sin and to take me to heaven, but at the meantime, God's going to bring all these bad things into my life to punish me. He's going to put sickness. He's going to put cancer. He's going to put disease. He's going to make me be in car accidents. He's going to do a lot of bad things to me just so I'll be a better Christian. Or somehow I'll, I, he'll punish me because I sinned. And the reality is, if that's your view of God, you have a schizophrenic God. You have a God who you never know what you're going to get from him when you go to him in prayer. Whether he's going to be a loving God, whether he's going to be a, a mad God, a sad God, or a glad God. You never know that. And yet Jesus made it very clear to us the kind of God that he came to represent Jesus did not come to change God's mind about humanity. He came to change humanity's mind about God. That God was not a God of judgment and punishment and anger and wrath, but he was a loving father who was looking for his lost children and, and pleading with them to come home that he was a father of love, of mercy, and of grace. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John chapter 14, he talks about how if you want to get to the Father, you're going to have to come through me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then one of the disciples asked, well, Jesus, show us the Father. And that was the moment that I think Jesus if he was in today's language, would probably slap his head and say, duh, 
Philip, don't you understand that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? So that one of the things that you and I, we really have to take inventory of what we honestly think about God. Because anything that you think about God that you don't see in Jesus, you probably need to discard out of your mind. Because the fullness of the representation of who Father God is, is found in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it one more time and see how many others agree with me. The fullness of the representation of who Father God is, is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Once you understand that, it begins to, your life begins to make a little more sense. David says here that the Lord is his shepherd that he shall not want, that he makes him to lie down in green pastures. He leads him beside still waters, and he restores my soul. Now, the word restoration there is a really interesting word. Many times translations will translate it, he refreshes my soul, or he brings peace to my soul. But the Hebrew word there is the word aruka. And aruka is the word restoration that is used in the covenant that God made with Israel. In the section in Deuteronomy chapter 29, when he talks about what happens when somebody takes something from you. When somebody comes and robs you of something, of a, of a cattle or some kind of article of clothing or whatever is stolen from you. And the law of restitution and restoration said this. To be fully restored, not only do you have to restore that which was stolen from you, but you were required to restore seven times more the value of what was taken from you. So the term here, he restores my soul, actually refers to something that has been stolen, something has been broken, something has been shattered. And the prayer that David brings is he makes a declaration that his shepherd restores his soul. Look with me in Isaiah 61. Go to the next slide, would you please, for just a minute. Next slide. Oh, go back one, thank you. Yeah, go back one. I'll get to that in a minute. <clears throat> Let's talk about your soul for just a minute. As many of those that attended the training yesterday found out, we talked about the soul that's kind of the seed of the human personality. That is, it's where everything kind of rests that's part of who we are. So I see that there's four components to your soul that you need to understand. The first component is your mind what and how you think. Number two, a second component is your will, what and how you choose. The third component of your soul is your emotions, what and how you feel. And finally, the fourth component is your identity, who you really are. As we're going to look here in Isaiah 61, there's a promise that Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted. In Psalm 34, 18, David declares, God is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The term brokenhearted in Hebrew literally means to have a shattered soul. That means that your mind, your will, your emotions, and identity have been impacted by something that has literally brought and shattered your soul into pieces. 
I talk in the seminar about how I, I look at the soul like a mirror. That when you look in a mirror, you get a pretty good representation of what you look like, at least to other people. So look at this, that mirror as like your identity, who you see yourself to be. What trauma that takes place in your life, bad things that happen to you that still impact your life today, what that trauma does, it comes and it shatters that mirror in such a way that what you used to see yourself as is now shattered and you look at yourself through the lens of trauma. That is, you begin to define yourself by all the bad things that have happened to you. So for instance, if you were a victim of child abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, or even sexual abuse, that speaks to your identity in such a way that you actually begin to see yourself and def define not only your identity, but what's possible for you in the lens of the abuse that you suffered. There are many men and women who go into the military to serve our country, and they experience tremendous trauma on the battlefield to such an extent that those traumatic images and memories stick with them even after they have stepped out of the military and retired. And those traumatic images and memories bring things like flashbacks and nightmares and night terrors and cause them to have panic and anxiety, depression. Many of them even think of, of committing suicide. And in the midst of that, all of that suffering and all that affliction, it begins to define you not as somebody who was a mighty warrior, but as somebody who's a victim of your past. We just declared, as I began this message today, everybody has trauma. The question is not about whether you've had trauma. The question is, does it still impact your life today? Does it impact what you think about yourself and how you think? Does it impact the way that you make choices? Does it impact the way that you express your emotions? And finally, when you look at yourself in the mirror, do you see somebody who is a beloved child of God in whom the Father is well pleased? Or do you see somebody that should be despised? Somebody who carries shame or guilt or condemnation? Somebody that is not anybody that you recognize? That's the kind of impact that trauma has. So to walk around with a shattered soul doesn't mean that you're not functional doesn't mean that you don't get up every morning and do what everybody else does. But the joy of life, the peace of God that we're all to experience in Jesus Christ, even as a believer in Jesus Christ, can be very limited for us because we still feel afflicted. We still feel victimized. Let's look at the good news in Isaiah 61. This is the prophecy about the ministry of Jesus and it says this the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor to the afflicted to the traumatized to the victimized he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to the prisoners to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and fainting, that they no longer would be called the poor afflicted and the traumatized, but now they would be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So Messiah comes to bring good news. I don't know about you, but the gospel that I came up under in the Baptist church, which I love the Baptists, I, I'm still a Baptist at heart, but most of that was bad news. I kind of got scared into the kingdom. Anybody else? 
But it says that when Jesus comes, he brings the good news. And the good news is simply this. There is one who created you that is now available to help you live in the fullness of the dream that he created you for. He's here for you to realize that life is so much more than what you've experienced to this part. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest, to the abundance. And he's talking about life right here and now. He's not talking about life in heaven. He's talking about abundant life right here and now that is available for everyone who welcomes the work of Jesus Christ into their lives. And there's somebody in this room, or you're watching today, and you've been to church. You know church. But it feels like that you've never experienced what everybody else has experienced. And you have difficulty actually being in church because you feel like that you're a less than or you're second class or that you're that special person that doesn't get what everybody else gets. There's some, you, you begin to think that there's something shameful or guilty or condemned about you that it may be true for everybody else, but it's not true for you. And my brother and my sister, I have good news for you. You ready for it? You're just not that special. If it's true for me, if it's true for Pastor Steve, if it's true for Curtis, if it's true for anybody else in this room, if it's true for anybody else in this world, it's true for you. Whether you've experienced the feelings or the, or the encounters or the manifestations that you think you ought to experience, why don't you trust the one who loves you that he knows you exactly for who you are? And all you have to do is open your heart to him and actually let down your walls and let him come in and do a work that only he can do with you. That by accepting the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for your sins, that all of your sin, iniquity, and transgression is completely wiped away so that you're no longer defined by anything that has been done to you or happened to you. But instead, you can be defined as a beloved child of God in whom he is well pleased. Now watch this. Once Jesus comes and declares the good news, the very first sign and wonder of that good news is that he has come to heal the brokenhearted. That's the first sign and wonder. He restores your shattered soul. He restores the shattering of your soul, both from sin, iniquity, and transgression, but he also restores your soul from all the bad things that have happened to them. Now, one of the things that somebody was asking me yesterday is what happens if you're somebody who was traumatized by a lot of the bad choices that you made? Well, you know, in the Midwest, at least as I was growing up, we used to have this saying. When people did something bad and they were paying the consequences for it, we'd say, well, you made your bed, now you got to live in it, right? How many of you heard that before? And then some, right? And so what that says to me is, well, I'm going to have to keep paying the consequences for the bad choices that I've made for the rest of my life. And how many of you know that breeds hopelessness? But what Jesus is saying here, he's saying not only am I going to heal the brokenhearted, but I'm going to break the chains of the captives that are still held captive to their past. So I'm going to break the power of shame you see, shame says there's something bad about you, which is why all these bad things happen to you. So therefore, if that's who I'm created to be, 
then all I can expect is just trauma all the rest of my life. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that's ever thought that about themselves. Anybody? A few of you, thank you for being honest. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie to keep you in a pit of hopelessness and despair, thinking that because of who you are, that you're just going to have to carry shame the rest of your life. Jesus says, I've come to shackle, to shatter the shackles and chains that keep you bound up to your past. Number two, he says, I've come to open prison doors. How do you get into prison? You get into prison because you did something bad. You get sentenced as a prisoner, and you stay locked in that prison cell. Jesus said, the shedding of my blood is so powerful that it not only sets the captives free, but it cancels the sentence on the prisoners. So that no matter what bad things they've done, I, t I have taken on the consequences for all of their sin, all their iniquity, all their transgressions, all their bad choices. And now because of my sacrifice, on the cross. They no longer have to be prisoners. They are set free, sentence canceled in my name. Let me tell you, there are a lot of believers that still carry a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, and a lot of condemnation because they're listening to the wrong voice. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. You and I, if we believe in Jesus Christ, no longer live under the law of sin and death. We live according to the law of the Spirit and of freedom. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom! So Jesus comes to declare good news, to heal the shattered soul, to shatter the chains of the captives, and to open the prison doors. And then he says, we're going to do a divine exchange. I'm going to take all of the emotions that come with carrying unhealed trauma. I'm going to take all the emotions that come with feeling less than. I'm going to take all the emotions of shame, guilt, condemnation, sorrow, mourning, and I'm going to give you love, peace, and joy. And your identity is no longer going to be as one who is the poor, afflicted, or the traumatized, you're now going to walk in an identity as an oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now what you need to understand is this. There's a level of freedom that's available for every one of us that the majority of us have yet to fully experience because we still believe well, we just got to live with this stuff for the rest of our days. I've got a testimony of a student that I want to show to you briefly that had been abused as a child, had gone into the military and experienced military trauma, had then become a police officer. At the time that he received prayer, he was a security guard as well. And he talks about that when the Spirit of God came on him, that things begin to change in terms of his understanding of who he really was. So if you could show that, Joseph Tyndall, number four. All right, whenever you're ready. All right, um, I was in class, and uh, Dr. Mike was there talking about PTSD and trauma. And uh, at the end of the class, when we started praying for everybody's brain to be rewired and started talking about how people had parts of their identity that um, was stolen from them, things attached to them that wasn't actually them. And uh, at the end, I felt stuff going on in my mind. Like I felt like it was, I guess, being rewired is the only way I can think to explain it. And I felt stuff going on in my spirit 
and I didn't feel like there was a complete release. So at the end of class, I went up to him and asked for him to pray with me. And uh, whenever he started praying with me, um, he wouldn't let me look away from his eyes. And uh, he started praying that my mind and everything would be rewired. He, laid his, he asked me if he could lay his hand on my head, and he did. And I felt the power of God hit me, and I started seeing... Um, I started seeing like the scenes and stuff that had happened throughout my life. Like I've had trauma since I was three years old, um, abusive father. I've had uh, training. I've been a police officer. I've seen some things that have basically caused like me to have anxiety in certain situations and certain thoughts and everything to cause me anxiety. So um, he was praying for me, and I started seeing these scenes that had had so much power over me start to be shattered. Like I, it looked like glass. And it looked like a hammer was hitting the glass and they were being shattered. And I was feeling like this release. I was feeling like all the, the power that they had over me was being released. And I, there was actually memories that I was actually forgetting. And uh, after all of this, I felt the power of God hit me. And I fell to the ground. And while I was on the ground, I was shaking. And it actually was very uncomfortable. I was like, what's going on? And uh, Mike discerned that it was that I was trying to hold on to something. He said, you need to let that go, son. He was like, that's not who you are. And uh, whenever I decided just to relax, I felt like a thousand pounds lifted off of me. And it actually felt like a part of me had left. And it was at that moment, I was like, what's going on? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And uh, a little bit later, I realized that it really, the, the demeanor and part of the personality that I picked up from the way that I was molded through life wasn't actually who I was. Um, it's been a few weeks now. And since that point, people who are closest to me um, I've noticed how I behave differently in different situations like I couldn't have my back to a door without having extreme anxiety because of, I was a police officer you know and um, certain situations that I'd been through people would bring them up and they used to cause anxiety and my anxiety would come out in the form of frustration and they were like wow you're so different you're not who I remember you being like this is who you were always supposed to be so yeah, after Mike prayed for me, I would say that I finally know what freedom is. And I thought that I was always free. I thought that it was something that I was going to have to live with for the rest of my life. I just thought it was who I was. And I'd learned to cope. I thought that it would be something that would get better or as I would, you know, go to more conferences or whatever, like the Holy Spirit would come and I would learn how to deal with these situations different. But they just left because they were never supposed to be a part of who I was. So I'm free. One of the questions I get quite a bit is, okay, what does restoration of my soul look like? For like with, with Joseph, he had known trauma since the age of three. So what does the dream of God that God wants me to be restored to look like if I've never known anything but trauma? I'm an old guy, and I love classic cars. I, when I was in junior high, I subscribed to crazy magazines like Car and Driver magazine. And in 1968, Car and Driver came out with a special edition of a Camaro, a Chevy Camaro called the Blue Max. And I put that on my wall, and I said, one of these days, I'm going to have one of those cars. Well, you know, eventually you get into high school, college, and you get married and all of this stuff. And guys, how many of you know that classic car that you want to have, you never get to it because family gets in, you know, family has other expenses, right? So we go literally close to 50 years later, and one day my wife says to me, I want you to go get your Camaro that you want. Well, I can't afford a 68 or 69 Camaro, but thank God they made a new edition of it. Like, so I got a 2015 Chevrolet Camaro SS convertible with a 6.2 liter engine in it. Come on, get excited. It's got, it's a red car with black stripes. And people say to me, well, you're in your midlife crisis. And I say, well, that means I'm going to live to 120. That's awesome. <laughs> But I love classic cars like the 68, 69 Camaro. I love the Mustangs, the Bullet Mustang, and the, the 70 Boss 302 Mustang. I love the Challengers, the, the Charger that Vinny Diesel uh, uh, runs in Fast and Furious movies. I love all those. 
And I love when you go to a car show and you see them fully restored. Anybody, any guys, you love those cars? You know what I'm talking about? You, you see them fully restored in their showroom condition. And that's awesome. They're, they're fully restored to what they're originally made to be. There's only one problem with classic cars. I don't know that I'd want to drive one now. You know why? Because I've been too spoiled by 2021 cars. You know, because in those classic cars, they have cranks, you gotta roll down your window. They don't have power seats. They don't have heated or cooled seats. They don't have the GPS screen. They don't have all the bells and whistles. That, let's be honest, we've all gotten used to them, right? Well, I want you to think of your soul like a classic car that is restored to mint condition, except it also has all the 2021 bells and whistles with it. See, God wants you to understand that the dream that he has for your life is so much greater than anything that you could ever imagine. That Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says this, and our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the riches of his glory that is at work within us. So when David writes in Psalm 23, he restores my soul. Remember, it's the word aruka, which means not just restored to original condition, but better than it was at the beginning. As we step into Passion Week this week, we think about all the things that Jesus went through, particularly on Friday. And so often, we focus mostly on the cross, where he sacrificed and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. But Jesus also went through something on Friday that Isaiah 53 describes as scourging that he was put on a whipping post. He was stripped naked. And a cat of nine tails, he went through 39 lashes that literally tore the flesh off of his body. His body was so traumatized and the blood loss was so great that he could not carry his own cross up to the hill to be crucified. Isaiah 53 says this, by his scourging, we are healed. Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.24, he says, by his scourging, we were healed. Not just healed spiritually, not just healed physically, but also healed emotionally. And the restoration of our soul took place redemptively through the trauma that Jesus experienced. And so I have this phrase that says, Jesus suffered trauma on your behalf so that your trauma can be healed. Restoration of the soul means that no matter what trauma you've been through in your life, God no longer wants you to live under the burden or the affliction or the pain of that trauma. He wants you to live in freedom. Next slide, please. I showed this yesterday. I want to show it to you again. In Japanese art culture, they have this thing called kintsugi or kintsukuroi. And what happens when a piece of art that's a piece of pottery is broken is that instead of throwing it away, they pick up the pieces and they put the piece of pottery back together in its original shape. But the way that it stays in its original shape is they use gold or silver lacquer to put the piece of pottery, the piece of art back together so that it is restored back to its creator's original dream and design for it. In the same way, God sees your soul as a piece of his art. He created you with unique personality. He created you with unique giftings. He created you uniquely so that you will fit into his divine plan for the restoration 
of all of creation in this world. In Romans chapter 8, it says that all of creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. And I'm telling you, you're part of that plan. No matter how traumatized you've been, no matter how addicted you've been, no matter how much shame, guilt, and condemnation you've carried, no matter how many bad choices you made, God says to you, you're my child. I have a plan for your life, and nobody else can do that plan except you. There's no one else waiting in the wings for you to step in to the fullness of the dream that I have for you. And I have provided everything you need to be completely restored into the dream that I created you for in the first place. And by the way, it doesn't make any difference how old you are either, oldsters. Come in, gray hairs and blue hairs. Let me tell you something. Some of our greatest days are yet ahead of us. I'm not on the wind down. I'm on the wind up. Remember this. I'm not prophesying anybody's going to die in three years, so remember this. But the most effective years of Jesus' life were his last three and a half years. How about you and me? How about us not settling for just fading off in the distance, but making the next three, five, ten, twenty years, however much time God gives us, let's make it the best years of our life, because that's the provision of God in Jesus' name. So put your notes down. I want to pray for you. In this room today, God is going to set many of you free from the trauma that has continued to haunt you. He's going to reset your thinking to understand that everything that you have done and everything that you've experienced and whatever's happened to you no longer has to define you. As a matter of fact, make this declaration with me again because it's so important. Because of Jesus, I'm no longer defined by my history. What I have done, what's been done to me, what I have witnessed, or by my family. I no longer have to be identified by anything that's happened to me in the past. I am now defined by who my Father calls me. He calls me His beloved child in whom He is well pleased. Now put your hand right here. Look at me. Everybody open your eyes and look at me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every single one of my brothers and sisters, both here in this room as well as online. I thank you for this appointed moment where the glory of the dream that they were created for becomes real to them again. In the name of Jesus, I speak restoration to every soul in this room. I speak healing to your mind, to your will, to your emotions. And I declare that all of the shame, guilt, and condemnation that you've carried over your life would disappear because it's not a reality anymore because of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus that every addiction that you've struggled with would be healed and every addictive lie and spirit where you have self-medicated your pain would be removed even as your soul pain is being removed in Jesus' name. I pray for a restoration of the dream of God for every person in this room right now, that they would begin to see themselves as you see them, Father, not as victims, not as evil people, not as people who are supposed to be carried with shame and guilt or condemnation, but instead that they would see themselves through your eyes as beloved children in whom you're well pleased. Now pray this with me. Holy Spirit, come and fill every area of my life that has been occupied by trauma. I receive 
the restoration of my soul so that I can begin this great adventure of learning your true dream for my life. Restore the dream that you created me for. And let me live in the fullness and abundance of that. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife at aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.